Curious Mother. We aim to create a space that encourages active discussion without judgment. I'm Melissa Miller, psychologist and mother of two. I'm Kristen Daly, psychologist and mother of three. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly. And I'm Melissa Miller. Kristen, what have you been curious about? Well, as the mother of two daughters who are on the verge of puberty or cresting the waves of going through major life changes, um, I have been really, I've been engaged with a program lately called Girology, and uh, we have been watching Girology videos and learning everything we can about Puberty, body changes, gosh, we've watched um, series information on stress, uh, sexuality, sexual health, um, and I have just been steeped in all of this great information, and uh, we are really lucky today to be joined by Dr. Melissa Holmes, one of the gerology experts. Dr. Holmes is a mom of three and an OBGYN who specializes in pediatric and adolescent gynecology. She has over 20 years of experience caring for patients, as well as teaching residents and medical students. She co-founded Girology in 2003 to offer a girls' health education platform that helps young people and their caring adults navigate puberty and adolescence with medically accurate and age-appropriate content. Since launching Girology, which I had no idea, it went all the way back to 2003, she has co-written five books for adolescent girls and boys on the topics related to puberty, adolescent health, and emerging sexuality. She is a consultant and spokesperson for Tampax and Always. Had a great interview with Amy Schumer for Tampax that um, we will have to link to because it was amazing. Serves on the advisory panel of Amaze.org, a global sex education platform for young kids and their parents. Most recently, she and her co-founder, uh, Trish Hutchinson, were asked to write a book for the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the draft is in. It's titled Uology, a puberty guide for everybody, and will be available in spring 2022. Welcome, hey. Dr. Melissa. Thanks so much. I love your podcast, and I love all the information you share, so this is like a mutual fan club. Uh, tell me a little bit about your journey to getting into that, that career. So I, um, I, when I was in medical school, I really couldn't decide between OBGYN and adolescent medicine, which was interesting. And I liked mental health as well. So I was kind of torn between all these specialties. But once I went into OBGYN, I realized that I could focus on adolescence. And I, I just love working with teenagers. I find them so much fun. And they're just, they have so much potential. And you can make such a difference with small things. And so my practice really grew heavily full of teenagers. A lot of their moms were my patients as well. But in doing wow. that, I also joined, there's a national organization um, for pediatric and adolescent gynecologists. I joined that organization way back in the 90s. And um, it was very small back then. It's now huge. And there's fellowships in this training. So it's become a full-blown specialty. Um, and the pediatric wow. gynecology is a little, you know, it's a little different than adolescent. We deal with other topics, but um, it's all very interesting. I bet so. I, and it, it sounds like you were a trailblazer in that area. How did your three daughters feel about your career? I'm curious about what that was like. Well, I was already in it when they were born. So okay. they grew up, my husband's also an OBGYN. So they uh -huh. grew up like 
overloaded with gynecology. <laughs> and when my kids were in elementary school, they would hear me at the table taking calls and being like, oh yeah, hey, so, so-and-so, your chlamydia test came back positive, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'll say, oh, that was a 15 year old, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my kids grew up hearing those conversations. So it was just a part of our lives. My, they all said they would never go into OBGYN and they have stuck to those paths. Although one of them is a veterinarian and she um, impregnates cows. And I'm like, see, I told you somebody <laughs> <laughs> would do OB. I love that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, my kids yeah. have done well, although they, when they were in middle school, they did struggle with what I did. I had a girlology sticker on the back of my car and my daughter asked me to take it off because it embarrassed her. Yeah, I have struggled with the fact that I have one, my 12 year old is just thrilled by all of the girlology content and just thinks it's amazing. And, um, you know, she just loves all of it. And my 10 year old is incredibly resistant. Like I've even bought her lunch and sat her down and said, like, we'll just explore some of the content. And she runs screaming from the room. So um, what, what do you think is going on there? Why, why is there so much fear or concern about learning about bodies? Uh, you know, I think some of it, it's interesting that your older one does better with it than your younger one. I think sometimes it's age related in that the older they get, the more they've heard from their peers and the more afraid they get, or they think they know everything and they just don't want you talking about all those awkward things, um, which is why we usually encourage people to come to the puberty program at the end of third grade or beginning of fourth grade. So that's when these kids come in bright eyed and curious instead of, you know, rolling their eyes and thinking, oh my gosh, I already know what they're going to tell me. Um, so that's one thing, but I also think they're just, every kid is different. And some of them, you know, are wide open and interested in science and things like that. And then others are like, this is nothing I want to be a part of. I don't even want to think about it. And that's okay. We could just continue to drop little hints along the way, mm -hmm. drop little short, simple statements, um, leave that door open and, you know, it will, it will eventually get easier for them. I, with my older adolescent son, I kind of have characterized it as we have drive-by conversations. I have told yes. him I have this internal list of what I feel that I'm required as a mom to have taught you, and I'm going to get through my list, and I can get through it in little tidbits or a lot, and he has preferred that I just kind of drop bits of information at him in very small chunks. <laughs> That's how they learn better anyway. Mm -hmm. Honestly, they're not going to listen to a 30-minute lecture on you know, consent or whatever your topic is. So the commercial yeah. breaks are perfect. <laughs> my, exactly. my kids make fun of me. They'll say that when I approach the subject, I'll say like, hey guys. And they're like, oh, mom's using the voice she does when she wants to talk about sex. She's so excited. And so I'm curious, any, any feedback or tips for moms on how can you approach this that is going to keep the door open instead of kids being like, ugh. Oh, I, you know, it's so funny because my daughter literally one night at dinner, I sat down and I started saying something very similar, like, hey, did you know? And she goes, mom, can we please just have a penis-free dinner? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I won't talk about penises tonight, but. <laughs> um, so I've been there. I mean, I know these kids, they, they know us, right? Um, so mm -hmm. my, my tips would be to 
the, you know, like the answer to your podcast, be curious, ask them what they mm -hmm. think about stuff. Um, my youngest is now 15. And so we're having a lot of these more advanced conversations now. And um, when the song WAP came out, I mean, that was a big one for a lot of teenagers and parents to try to navigate. Um, and so I just, instead of saying, oh my gosh, you know, did you, what do you, I want you to know this, this, and this. I just said, what did you think about that? And we had a great conversation. So I think as they get older and they're more capable of expressing their opinions and they, they want to express their opinions, it's a perfect time to let them and just ask mm -hmm. them, or, you know, what happened with this kid on this show or what does this song mean? I mean, I think those are good ways to bring it in without being the lecturer. Mm-hmm. I do. I'm a big fan of the, what does this song mean? It's especially, I can't help it. I always tune into the lyrics. It's just the way that my brain operates. And so I will hear things and I'm like, are you hearing this too? You know? Yeah. That started for me when, um, uh, sexy back was on the radio. My kids were like middle school during that. And they loved that song. We'd hear it on the way to school. And, you know, it talks about bondage. And so I'm like, you know, do you, do you have any idea what this song is talking about? It's like, you know, I'll be your slave and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. we had to have those conversations. Yeah. And you mentioned also conversations about consent. Tell me a little bit about what that has looked like in um, both the programming and even in your own parenting. So, you know, our, our initial program, when we started Girlology, it was all about puberty. And then those kids aged up and we added reproduction. And then we kept getting requests for more and more content. So we're working with, we do work with some schools, um, my own kids school. And so we have other classes that go into the topic of consent. I, I feel like mm -hmm. that's a lot to put on kids learning about puberty, which is why we separate puberty from sex. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the science of reproduction, we introduce consent in one very simple way. And that is, um, Comment, you know, the frequently asked questions. And one of the questions we get almost every class we teach from these, and these are fifth graders, is do I ever have to do that? Which is a really good question for a young kid to say, oh God, do I have to do that? Yeah. Um, and that's where we introduce consent. It's like, if you don't want to do it, you don't do it. And here's why it's so important. Um, you know, there are laws that protect people. You have to be a certain age to even be able to say yes. Both people have to say yes. It's not something someone does to you. Um, it's something to, two people decide to do together. And that's so important. There are laws about it. Um, so that's just a very simple introduction to consent. But at the same time, I think there are even better ways to introduce consent as kids, when kids are even younger, you know, like giving them options on how they show their affection to people. Like, mm -hmm. remember when your parents used to make you like kiss Uncle Joe and you're like, oh, I don't want to kiss Uncle Joe. But we did it anyway because our parents were like, oh, kiss that, you know, give Uncle Joe a kiss. We don't have to do that anymore. We've learned, you know, that we can do better by our kids. So we can say, yeah, if you, you know, do you, how do you want to say goodbye to Uncle Joe? You want to give him a high five? You want to give him a hug? Um, and that's giving them autonomy, right? They have some agency over how they express their affection. And at the same time, we can start asking them like, hey, can I, you know, can I give you a hug? Not with our own kids, we kind of know when they're leaning in for a hug, we don't have to say, oh, can mommy give you a hug now? I mean, that, that's like, I think taking it a little far, but there are people who would disagree with me. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think asking before we touch people is super important and modeling that behavior when they're young introduces consent in a whole different way um, for them. 
I love that. I love the idea of not making someone feel guilty or bad for not giving the affection the other one yes. wants. But I do hear, so, you know, my kids are close with um, their grandparents and that's, that generation is like, but that's rude. Any tips for us moms to manage the older population? Yeah. And I do think that's hard. I think it's just a matter of explaining to them that we're trying to teach our kids to stand up for their own bodies and to decide for themselves instead of letting other people force them into being affectionate. And I think they understand it. I mean, so, you know, you you know, the kids love you, but let's Mm -hmm. let them start making some of these choices because they're growing up and we want them to be able to stand up for themselves in other relationships. So there's a no safer place than with your grandparents or your family to learn that. Um, And if you can get the grandparents on board, like recognizing that they're helping establish this safety behavior and helping their children, their grandchildren learn it, that might make it easier for them. How did you get linked up with Trish? Because I I have to say that um, the videos that you have for the virology online content I have been known to maybe, especially there's the one video where you explain really eloquently ejaculation and talk about the necessity of picking up snacks um, for for the sperm. Um, Maybe have watched that a few times with friends over glasses of wine because it is so great. Um, You guys are make to me like this amazing comedy duo. How did you get linked up? It's hilarious. So, um, Trish was in the practice that my children went to, but she was not my pediatrician. Um, But one day I had to see her for an emergency and she came in and she was kind of quick and done. And before she left, I went, Hey, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Melissa Holmes. I'm the OBGYN across the street. We refer patients back and forth. And she's like, yeah, I know who you are. And that was that. And I was like, huh, (laughs) no, I was offended. And so about six months later, I got a phone call from her she called me emergently out of a meeting and um, I got on the phone and she's like, Hey, I'm pregnant. And I went, okay. And she's like, well, what do I do? I said, well, who's your doctor? And she said, well, I want you to be my doctor. And so I was like, okay. So we, she became my patient. um, And honestly, I, I judged, misjudged her the first experience because she was obviously mm-hmm. having a busy day like we all do right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so she became my patient and in the exam rooms I could hear her and her husband giggling all the time and just laughing and my nurses thought they they were like their favorite couple and we just became friends and uh-huh. we started going for we lived in the same neighborhood we started going for walks together mm-hmm. and we both just really started commenting on how many parents ask her to talk to their kids about puberty and how many parents asked me to talk to their kids. Like, can you tell her never to have sex or can you tell her, you know, about her period? Mm-hmm. And we just, we just jived on it. And she's funny mm-hmm. as can be. I mean, I'm creative. She is hilarious. And so yeah. it's just a good match. Yeah. I even the little bit of content I've been able to get my 10 year old to watch. She has really enjoyed because they're the one that where you talk about pads and I think, and Trish sticks it to her face <laughs> made her completely crack up. And the thing is, is that it just, it helps. Like, I always feel like humor is just a great way to ease people into a little bit more scary situations and yeah. you guys nail it the way that you riff Thank off you. of each other. 
Well, we've been doing it for 17 years. I mean, so I will say it took us about eight or nine years to get the puberty program just right. And then we trained other doctors across the country in our curriculum. And we actually give them the same jokes. And we tell them like, we have made all the jokes that flop. We we know what makes kids laugh. um, And we know how to say things that doesn't make them faint or throw up because we've had both of those things happen in our class. Oh, no. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. We have had so, a girl throw up when we were talking about periods and we had a boy pass out when we were talking about um, ejaculation. <laughs> we, we should mention here to all of our listeners that there is also guyology, right? Right. Um, and if you are interested in getting in the, in the class, I would suggest knowing in advance, I will say we have only gotten on waiting lists for guyology because it is so popular in Charlotte. It is really hard to get into. So, well, let me tell you some good news. It's available on demand now in video form, just like the girls' puberty classes. It's on the Girlology website. We don't have a Guyology okay. website. So if you go to Girlology and in the search box, just type Guyology, uh-huh. you'll find it. And, Fantastic. Um, and it's half the price of the in-person classes. And you can watch it as many times as you want. And how that do you is suggest- so awesome. How do you suggest doing this with your kids? Is this something that you definitely think parents should do with their kids, the kids should do on their own? So we created them to be done together. Um, We think that was one of the magical things we did when we started Girlology was that we wouldn't do the classes just for kids because we were very selfish. It was a a time thing. Like I knew that the parents were all gonna come to me and say, well, what did you talk about? And what did they say? And who who asked what? And I'm like, "Mm -mm, everybody, come on. You can see what they ask. You can hear what we say and you can answer the follow-up question. Um, so we continued with our, with our video format, we continued to make it intended for parents and kids to do together. We actually have an activity book for both programs. So there are about you know seven to 10 segments, depending on which class you're doing. They're all bite-sized, like five to six minutes. And then after each segment, you can do an activity to reinforce it, or you can power through all of them and use the activity book whenever you want. Um, we have heard that a lot of the parents of girls are watching the classes together. And a lot of the parents of boys are watching the first two together. And then the boys just disappear with the iPad and watch the rest of it on their own, which is funny. So uh, I guess just however your kid wants to do it. I can totally imagine my 16 year old, we were saying the other day, I I don't believe we've seen him naked since he was seven. And, you know, he is so intensely private that I, I had to do the terrible, like to me, the thing I didn't want to do, which was just give him a book. And because he's just, he's intensely private. He does not, there's, I can imagine him not at all wanting to watch content with me. Whereas yeah. my daughters, we settle in, like we, we can, we binge watch it. Um, well, my middle daughter <laughs> and I, it's great. I mean, we, you know, I take her to the office. So we have like private space and we order lunch and we just watch episodes and you know, it's fun to zoom through the content too, because there's like, we just, I'll be like, what, what interests you? There's this one on body odors. You want to talk about that? Like, you know, and, and so it's been neat to be able to have like lots of different options. Oh, that's great. I love hearing that. With schools being so disrupted and kids being even more socially isolated. One of the concerns I've had is this normal developmental piece of learning how to have relationships with each other and your body changing that a lot of this stuff is happening in isolation for some kids. And to me, that kind of creates like even more need for 
programs that help kids learn about this. We have a lot more just demand for when are you going to get back out here and do this because my kids Mm -hmm. aren't getting puberty education. And lucky for us, we had started the transition to digital content before the pandemic. And so we already had it for the girls puberty program. We have created a ton more during the pandemic in response. So we did the boys class, the guyology class we created during the pandemic. And it's actually, you know, we usually film our classes with Trisha and I sitting together. This one was done through Zoom um, because mm-hmm. we were we were strictly quarantined when we did mm-hmm. that. Um, we have recorded our reproduction class and it's gonna be released this month. Um, so we have a, a little class on reproduction on the Girlology site now, but we actually recreated it exactly as our live class with an activity book that's going to be released soon and our next classes are on depression which has been a big request um, which we should get you guys helping on um, Mm -hmm. and consent um, and healthy relationships so those are the next classes that are going to be coming out I'm curious in general is there anything that in creating this or doing these courses that has surprised you what's sort of out of the ordinary that we need to know You know, I think parents in general, the parents who come to us obviously want to do a good job. I mean, those are the parents we serve. It's the parents who are really doing their best. And so we're not getting the parents who aren't paying attention to this because, you know, naturally. So the parents who really want to do a good job are really worried about, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? When is the right time? And so those are things that we have built into what we created. I mean, we actually in our, we have a ebook on periods that's free. I mean, you don't even have to be a member. And in the back of that ebook, there's what we call a roadmap for conversations. And it, it's a roadmap that takes you through what conversations you, or what videos you may want to watch. Cause, cause a lot of parents are like, I didn't even think about that. Like I never thought about telling her about vaginal discharge when she just started her breast bud. I didn't know. Um, and then the other things are just the, the good parenting tips. And I mean, yeah, we're medical, but we also get a lot of questions about parenting and it's become more of an expertise just simply because we've raised our, Trish and I have five girls between the two of us, between our two families. Um, and they range in age from 15 to 26. So I mean, we've been there and done that, but some of the parenting thing are what people are asking for the most. And I mean, you guys are helping in that area too. One of the most popular videos on our site is um, she's more than beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I think it's one of my favorites because I, and it was inspired because I was on Facebook one night and somebody put a picture of their daughter and I went through like a hundred comments and all of them said, Oh, she's beautiful. She's beautiful inside and out. Oh, she's gorgeous. She's stunning. I'm like, don't you have a better vocabulary than that? I want parents to expand their vocabulary. You know, I think that's something that they're not doing that they could be doing better, not only about body parts, like learn the right names of your body parts, ladies, but also, you know, when it comes to how we, how we describe our children to themselves and to others, because that really shows what we think is important. So those are, I mean, that. I just think parents want to do a better job and any little tips we can give them is what they're looking for. Just hearing you describe that, I'm just thinking about the positive impact this will have on girls who don't grow up with a sense of shame about their body. And also if their parents can describe them as more than their attractive appearance, that we might really have some confident, brave girls in the next generation coming up. 
I hope so. I hope so. We were on a call recently with a group in Spartanburg that does a lot of our programs and they've been doing our programs for years. And the person who runs this whole community organization said, you know, are the girls that are now 14 and 15 that have been through all of your programs are so comfortable talking about these topics that, you know, we, we don't even need to do some of the content we were doing before because they've got it. Um, and that's our hope is that, you know, we grow up and every year we're adding a little more um, help for parents to help their, their kids as they're going through this. I always wonder, Melissa and I had, we did an episode a couple of years ago about the body parts and the importance of knowing the right words for the body parts. And one of the things that we both have experienced is that there can be pushback from people about the idea of using the right words that it's like going to sexualize their kids. And I've seen sometimes in families I work with, there's a real fear about the idea of talking to kids about that sex could be enjoyable. And, you know, there's almost this desire to protect them from this other side of our, of our lives. And I'm curious about how you approach that. Like, when, when you come across somebody who's really resistant to the idea of kids learning about their bodies and sexuality, what are some of the things that you've had to, to try to work through with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we live in the South and we get a lot of that. Um, and when we talk about bodies, especially with young children and teaching them the names of everything, one of the biggest reasons we, we encourage that is it's, it's clearly protective against sexual abuse. So there's no question that knowing their body parts and knowing that their private parts, it's not a pocketbook. It is, a, it's a vulva and labia mm. and a vagina and a clitoris. Um, and then when we introduce the body parts and we do mention the clitoris, we do talk about it, right? Um, we say it feels good when it's touched and that's all. And kids are like, oh yeah, you know, like most kids already know that. Um, and so introducing the topic of, there are a lot of parts of our bodies that feel good when they're touched, like a good back rub feels really nice. Well, in our, on our vulva for girls and a penis, um, that feels good when it's touched too, but emphasizing privacy. And, you know, that leads to a conversation about masturbation, which people are also really hung up about, but kids, you know, we kind of say it that babies notice it as soon as they have the hand coordination to reach to their genitals, they do it because it feels good and it's self-soothing. And so normalizing it is really important. And if we can do that from a young age, we don't have all the, the shame and weirdness around it when they're older and, they, and things do seem a little more sexualized. So kids mm -hmm. don't sexualize any of these words. There's mm -hmm. nothing sexual about an elbow or a clitoris or a penis, right? They're just words and they're just learning the words and communicating about their body. And so when parents recognize that kids don't sexualize these things, only parents do, sometimes that makes it a little easier for them to get on board with mm -hmm. um, you know, using the proper words as a protective measure for their kids. Mm -hmm. I also love how much, I mean, like you said, it leads into these other discussions, especially around masturbation. When we can normalize, like this is just the body and this is how bodies work. When we normalize things, oh my goodness, it is going to decrease so many problems for both parents and kids of, of development. 
Well, and, you know, teaching girls about pleasure and masturbation is critical because I cannot tell you how many teenage girls I've taken care of who have had sex with many, many people in the attempt to find, you know, the orgasm, right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had one patient who honestly had had so many sexual partners. I was like, you, you are, you are in danger. I mean, this is seriously concerning. And she's like, well, I keep thinking I'm going to have an orgasm and I don't. And I'm like, okay, let me talk to you about how you can do this with yourself. <laughs> you don't need someone else to do this for you. And so I challenged her and, and granted she was 15. This isn't a 10 year old I'm talking to. And she came back a few weeks later and she's, she like gave me a high five. She's like, why didn't anybody ever tell me that? Yeah. You know? So it's empowering. And we are trying to raise a generation of of girls who are not taken advantage of, not having sex because they think they have to, not focusing all the pleasure on their partner, but expecting it for themselves as well. Because when they do become sexually involved, it should be mutually enjoyable, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something someone does to you for their own good. It is mutually enjoyable. And that's a hard conversation to have. It's one of those advanced topics, but if Mm -hmm. you've been having these conversations all along with your kids, through middle school and into, you know, their early high school years, it comes very naturally. So that's, you know, getting on board early is important. When you use the word empowering, I'm thinking about these girls who might be in relationships who have the idea of this is something that's done to me. I have to do this for him. And if they have the message that, no, this is supposed to be about me too, my goodness, I can see how they might start to think this isn't a good relationship for me. This isn't working. And wow, that's, that's hugely empowering. I always ask my patients if they're in sexually involved, I'm like, do you enjoy it? And you know, the answers I get are really varied and really disturbing sometimes. And so my response is, well, if you're not enjoying it, you know, what's the point? You know, mm-hmm. and, and certainly there are some girls who are like, well, I, you know, I want to make him happy or I want to make my partner happy, but we just emphasize that it's, it's for both people involved. Which has just never be been part of sex ed before, right? Like, right. and you're right that how are we as, as females supposed to know this unless we're talking about it and we understand and we have a message that, yeah, this is, this is what it can be like. And let's figure out how to do that. Yeah. And having more safe places to have that conversation is really critical. So whether it's us as parents having that conversation, or if we designate a proxy, like I told my kids Mm -hmm. growing up, I'm like, listen, if there is something you ever want to ask or talk about, and you don't feel comfortable coming to me, go to Dr. Trish, you know, she's Mm -hmm. got your back. We're on the same way. We're on the same wavelength with with our family values. I trust her to talk to you confidence and she doesn't have to tell me what you're talking about. I love that. The idea having other family members or, you know, close friends who, you know, share values and opening the door to your kids that if this feels uncomfortable to discuss with me, you can, you have somebody else who is happy to do it because I think that sometimes that's what I'll see in my role as therapist is kids are, are really asking questions that, that are really very normal questions that they just, they don't really have a resource to ask those questions. And sometimes I would say that, you know, that's even sometimes a good benefit of the role of therapy. You know, if they're, if you can help them process information that maybe they haven't been able to figure out, but it's even better if it can be a trusted family friend. Well, I wish everyone had a therapist too. It would make life a lot better for them, for all of us. <laughs> yeah. 
I agree. One of the things I think that I am seeing is there's a lot more openness to the idea that having a therapist can be a great thing. And um, it's not, it doesn't mean that there's something broken or wrong with you. To me, it always is you're searching for greater emotional intelligence. You know, you want to be able to do this better, you know? Yes. Yes. And I do think the pandemic has helped us with that, which is wonderful. To go back to the, to the videos for just a second about, I think there's also something that as moms, there's a lot to be learned from these two. Like there's some, there's some content that it's like, oh, well, I didn't know the reason behind that, or I didn't know why that's happened. Or even the information on like how to wash period panties, right? Like mm-hmm. this is important stuff. And so as moms, we have to kind of expect, well, maybe we don't know everything too, right? Like we didn't have great sex ed or body education growing up. So how nice to learn some of this now. Well, one of the things that I think is most important in getting through puberty with your kid is anticipatory guidance, right? So knowing what's ahead and telling your child what to expect next, because that's how we help them enter these phases with more confidence and less anxiety. When we hear back from moms, a lot of them are like, I I had no idea that vaginal discharge was an early sign in puberty, not like I always thought she was going to start her period as soon as it started. No, that's not the case. I didn't know that, you know, once she hits that growth spurt, we've got about six months, you know, so um, knowing what to tell your child ahead of time is really, really helpful in their journey. So um, I love that you said that. I want every parent to think back to the things that shocked them and worried them when they were going through puberty, right? Like I remember some things happening to like, what is, what is happening? Like something is wrong. And even recently in our house, I have a 10 year old son, almost 11. And I said something the other day about pubic hair. And he was like, what pubic hair? And so I described it to him and he was like, "Uh, what? Oh, whoa, whoa. I had no clue that was going to be happening. So there's, it was a very funny discussion that I won't share any more details because I'm sure some of his friend's parents are listening and I don't want to. (laughs) Smart mama. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I know that we, in, in our household, we are, we have somebody on the verge, I believe we probably, I mean, I think we probably have about six months, maybe, maybe a year. And so what I have been trying to think of is what do I do to have like everything she could possibly need? And I will admit I am a mom who is extra. So like, I've kind of run the gamut of, do I buy, you know, all the period panties, like, and, and I'm a little worried. Sometimes my kids get a little bit overwhelmed by how invested in how much I want to do a good job. Um, any tips for, for those moms who are extra? (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't go extra on all the period products, have a few pads, have some of the slender or junior or whatever light tampons. And I would definitely get some period underwear. I am a huge fan, but you know, they're expensive. So only buy one pair and see if she likes it. My daughter wore them for about a year and then was completely turned off by them. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, don't go buy the whole, don't fill her drawer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I think having a few options is great, but it, it will overwhelm them. And mm-hmm. I mean, it overwhelms me when I walk down the aisle, get one with wings, one without wings, you know, a, a small one, a big one and some period panties. And you should be good for that first period, unless she's a swimmer and then make sure you have those, those light tampons on board. Yeah, we have a swimmer and a gymnast. So we've already yeah. had they're conversations tampons, yeah. about tampons. They're they're kind of, they're ready in a sense, but then sure. um, 
yeah, it's been not, a, a pretty big conversation. <laughs> not, not to endorse a product, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> so my, for myself, I use a subscription called Lola, which is just mm. organic tampons delivered, but they have a first period kit and it's a box. And so it's it, like you just said, it's a sample of everything and it has huge instructions and a backpack, um, like a little pouch that discreetly you can keep it in your backpack just in case waiting for the first time. And so I got this way in advance for my daughter, but I just gave it to her and was like, explore, look through, and they, they do a neat job of making it feel really special. Nice. Do you still practice OBGYN as an OBGYN or are you all girology all the time now? I stopped my clinical practice, uh, two years ago. Um, this month, actually. So to dive full-time into girlology and creating more of this video content. So I still do some consulting. I still do a little bit of teaching with the medical students, but I'm not mm-hmm. seeing my own patients anymore. And one of the things that you have is a lot of really neat props. Like I can actually see your um, polka dotted uh, uterus behind you. <laughs> Where do those things come from? Is that something that you um, well, have people I told, commission? <laughs> I told you I'm creative. Uh, mm-hmm. I sew, I paint, um, I made them and, uh, I created the prototype of the uterus and the vulva puppet. And then I made the first, I don't know, 50 of each one. And then we hired a seamstress to start making them for us. So they're handmade in South Carolina. So we have, um, pediatricians, OBGYNs, nurse practitioners across the country that lead our in-person programs. Obviously they've been on hold during the pandemic a few are starting to spring back up, but they're very small and socially distanced. But we hope to get back to having the live programs because it really is fun to have groups of kids learning this information with other kids because that also helps normalize it. So we do miss the in-person programs. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing some in-person live programs via Zoom as well. So we've got some pediatricians across the country doing those. They do the whole program in the, you know, the two hour time slot. So if you're more into watching it live and being able to send in your live questions, um, that's an option as well. Fantastic. Well, Melissa, we are really grateful for your time this morning. And I just really, I'm so glad to hear about guyology because I swear I was looking for it just a few months ago for a friend. And I think that it's just, it's wonderful to be able to know that we have these interactive modules available. I'm so glad. And the guyology I am not a part of, um, Trish did it with um, a resident who is phenomenal. He's been teaching guyology classes for us for several years and he is so cute and he does such a great job. So uh, they actually have a guy who can, (laughs) from the guy's perspective, which is really nice. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, please, you know, direct people to girlology.com and that's where they can find, you know, we, we put out free content every week. We do have an app um, so they can download the app and they get a free tip every week. Or if they're a member, they actually get access to the full library of content and downloadable resources. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for listening.